I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's Flames Nation Radio, episode 29. He's Shane. I'm Ryan. How you doing, everybody? Shane, Shane, uh... In his new abode, where uh, and he looks, he looks remarkably. His hair looks great. I don't know if he like did something different. I, he's got the he's got the fancy ponytail. He looks like he trimmed up the beard. He's ready for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I got a head start on the playoff in about two years. So seriously, I think, I, think, I think I think I started this thing when they were in the bubble playing Winnipeg. Mm. So <laughs> yeah. As 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 always, we're brought to you by DoorDash and by the fine folks at Eau Claire Distilleries makes Rimper's whiskey the official whiskey of the calgary flames still available and if you're looking for uh for a drink to potentially celebrate uh between zero and 16 postseason victories no better no better uh, beverage to use than the official whiskey of the calgary flames uh it's been an interesting week chain so since we last chatted in this in this particular format uh the calgary flames as of last week had clinched a playoff spot uh, in the Last seven days, they have clinched the Pacific Division, meaning for the eighth time in franchise history, they will be hanging a banner from that awkward metal ventilation thing in the, at the, the, the one end of the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, the last time they did that in 2019, they had no ceremony or celebration whatsoever because of what followed. Uh, a very unceremonious dispatching at the hands of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, uh, Kristen Anderson, formerly of Post Media, now the Calgary Stampede, very aptly uh, positioned it as the gentleman's sweep where Colorado at least let the flames win a game first before they just destroyed them this year. Things look a little bit different. Uh, first of all, uh, we, we, for those of you, we're, we're recording this on, uh, on Wednesday evening. So it's the off night between uh, uh, there's a three and four stretch that the flames are doing to, to finish off the regular season. Uh, so they're playing, they played on Tuesday in Nashville in uh, something that can only be described as holy crap, what a hockey game. I mean, it, it was a game so back and forth and full of stuff happening that by the time regulation ended, I tweeted, go home, Calgary, Nashville, you're drunk. Uh, there were like multiple every fights. game they've played recently, like skip the bubble year. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, there was there was multiple fights uh, in one period. Uh, there was, uh, you know, uh, Young, young Mr. Matthew Kachuk ran afoul of Matthew Shane. Uh, basically, Matthew Shane and, uh, you know, let's be honest, if you're standing next to Matthew Kachuk at a faceoff, uh, he will try to get position on you because he just, he's just a competitive guy. He's just wired that way. So he put his stick into Duchesne's uh, hands. 
uh, Duchesne stood up and basically said, what the hell, man? And as he was just gesticulating up, for lack of a better term, he gestured up the uh, Kachuk stick rode up his glove and smacked him in, him in his own face. Uh, if you, there's, uh, there's a few angles on the replay that make it look like Kachuk flat out smacked him in the face. He smacked him. Granted, you should probably be holding your stick so that it doesn't ride up on a guy's face, but you're also not expecting a guy to put his glove underneath your stick and lift it up. So no, there's really, there's really, there's really, you could say both of them to blame, but if functionally speaking, Matthew Shane high stick himself in the face and got mad at Matthew Kachuk. And then aggressively, aggressively speared Kachuk. Was, I didn't like he, that. It was a near miss. He, he didn't really make much contact with him, which is probably the only reason why he only got, uh, I think he had an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. So it was part of a, a, a period where I think there was 34 minutes in penalties in the first period. I think uh, there's a lot of penalties overall. There was, you know, last minute goals, wild swings, uh, you know, uh, UC Saros left the game with uh, what looks to be a lower up body injury, which as of this morning, as of this afternoon, will officially uh, rule him out for the last two games of Nashville's regular season. Nashville has clinched a playoff spot, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But for the time being, at least at the very least for the last two games of, of the regular season, uh, where the, the two games that will determine if Nashville plays Colorado or the Calgary Flames, as in the difference between what Daryl Sutter calls eight days wasted and a series with the flames it's david riddick's net for the time being and david riddick is to put it mildly not as good a goaltender this year as you say saros uh so i wouldn't that's gonna be fun i wouldn't be shocked to see them eventually turn to connor ingram like I, i it's it's dave slander but he's the guy that's He's he's an older goalie prospect, twenty three or twenty four years old. At least Connor Ingram's been in starting somewhere. Been good in Milwaukee. Connor Ingram's been starting in Milwaukee, and he's pretty good in Milwaukee. I mean, difference between the NHL and the AHL. But David Riddick has not played a lot, and when he's played, he hasn't played particularly well. Uh, if you look at the the backup goaltender numbers for the Flames, uh, comparing David Riddick's numbers, even less last year to. Uh, Dan Bladar's numbers this year, the Flames upgraded, and they upgraded at at pennies on the dollar. So we love Big Save Dave. Uh, Dave Riddick, uh, I, you know, covered him for several years when he was at the Flames organization. Just an, a peach of a human being, Fantastic. great guy, you know, good person, good in the community, really fun, you know, really good sense of humor about himself. You know, he doesn't take life too seriously. You know, you, you wish he's one of those guys that you root for and you wish him well, but thing, you know, things are going to have to go well for Dave for Nashville not to have a nervous couple of weeks here so other than that though I mean but if if we're being blunt if I'm going to be blunt be blunt they they don't have anybody that could replace Saros Saros should in my in my opinion be on lots of people's Vesna ballots like he he has been one of the top five goalies in the league this year you can't. You don't just replace that. So he's if he's, he's, out for any he's the most time national. He's, he's the most massive. used goaltender in the National Hockey League this year, in part because Nashville really, really likes him. He's good. So uh, the thing you've learned in Calgary is when you have a goaltender that's really good, you play the hell out of him because he's good. It's like the you know. But here's an example. Uh, and it's an apples and oranges comparison, and I apologize to everyone for 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 you know the the mixed metaphor. But let's go this way: the Calgary Flames have a Johnny Gaudreau. And if you look at the, they actually, uh, I've seen this done in a couple of broadcasts. I think it was done on the, the Sportsnet broadcast during the, Saturday, the Tuesday night game against Nashville. Uh, 
Johnny Gaudreau plays a lot less than a lot of the top 20 scorers in the league on a per game basis. Uh, we, we did a comparison. Basically, if you look at his, his overall, his five on five play, especially him, just hit him compared to uh, Austin Matthews. He's played someone like 40 or 50 or 60 minutes fewer than Austin Matthews. He's basically played like an F, you know, a, in the same amount of games played significantly fewer games in terms of uh, minutes than Austin Matthews. And, you know, it, it takes some restraint to not play your really good players a ton, because if you, it's like, if you have a, if you have a McDavid or you have a, a, a Gaudreau or you have a Markstrom or you have a Saros, the temptation is, well, why don't you use him then? That's why you paid for him. And the short answer is you kind of want to leave some gas in the tank for the postseason And, you know, what happened with Soros was basically by all accounts, it looks like a freak injury. You know, it's these things. Yeah, I hardly even noticed what happened like in real time. It looked like just he, all of a sudden like he bonked was... his foot going post to post or jammed his ankle or something. I don't know. They, the predators are being very tight lipped about this as you would imagine they would be uh, given, uh, you know, it's playoff time and no one's going to, you know, the, it, let's be completely honest folks. If a player lost both of his arms and legs, uh, the team would say he's day to day because it's playoff time and there's really no competitive advantage in telling everybody, you know, Daryl Sutter flat out said, you know, during the, the California swing, one of his media availabilities that he's done talk, giving us media, you know, giving us media types lineup or injury updates because there's simply no, there's no incentive for him to do it. There's no advantage to him to do it. So, uh, Soros, you know, it's, it sucks. It sucks for Nashville because, you know, Nashville at the height of their powers versus a lot of other teams would be a wildly entertaining series. I think at the end of that, uh, the game on Tuesday night, all of us were saying basically one or we said a combination of things and uh, chime in here, uh, Shane, if you notice me missing anything, one, you're saying, holy cow, can we do this four to seven more times? Because that was just a wildly entertaining hockey game Two, holy cow, Dylan Dubé appears to have awoken from his slumber just in time for the postseason, just like he did in 2020 because he yeah. was decent. He was one of their best players in the bubble. He, uh, Dylan, Dylan Dubé was a pretty good player in the 1920 season up until the, the, the stoppage. He was, he wasn't great. He was playing on the third line. I believe he was mostly, correct me if I'm wrong, I might be misremembering this because it was two years ago. He was playing primarily on a line with Milan Lucic, and I forget who the third player was. It often rotated. I think at times, at, for actually it was Derek Ryan. It was Derek Ryan yeah. was their, was their, their right shot center playing in the middle of those two guys. And so that they they were really good third line and Dubé when he came back for the from in the bubble just went off like he went ham as the kids say and he was he was very very good and he he's also been, though he also back then he had a lot of defensive like he 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 wasn't playing on the the defensive side of the puck as good which allowed him to play a lot of offense like like cheat a little cheat a little bit but the whole team was doing well, even it. even now though I mean he's you know he's. Even even at his the height of his powers in junior, he was he's never been renowned as an amazing defensive player. He's no. he's been an adequate to above average defensive player, and he just you know we've seen it at the World Juniors, we've seen it at in junior, we've seen it at times in the NHL. Now he has the ability to just sort of rise to the occasion, and he has that competitive jam in his game that he just sort of finds ways to muck around. And so right now, though, I think the fact that he's playing with Callie Arncroft, who's a really, really good two-way center, uh, mm-hmm. not backland good, but close, and Coleman. playing with Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman is just Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman is the guy you want to be playing with this time of year. 
that's the guy you want to be watching. I, I think I think the the, the 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 head coach and the general manager will be mad if at some point we didn't refer to him as two time defending Stanley Cup champion Blake Coleman because the Flames the Flames thought that there there was. There were certain attributes that the Flames, between the head coach and the general manager and other members of the, the Brain Trust, felt that they were lacking. Some of them were some size in the blue line, so they go out and they get a Nikita Zadorov and an Erica Branson. Branson was also brought in because they felt they needed a guy with a sweet beard and a good jawline who can kill penalties. Uh, as an aside, is there a more purely handsome player on the team than Erica Branson? I mean, we're I think we're you know, we're, we're, we're comfortable enough with our own masculinity to be able to admit when another man is handsome. He's just a he good looking He dude. looked the other day when he was accepting the Peter Mara award, he looked like he was a straight out of Top Gun. He, like, he, he, he looked like, jacket, he looked like he was cut. on his way from like, he was looking like he was going to shoot like a, a, a catalog boat for like, he needs like some, some fancy sunglasses or something. That's really the only yeah, thing he's on the highway. He, actually, he had the sunglasses, I think. So yeah, I mean, they brought, but they brought in Erica Branson in addition to, to having a high handsomeness per sixty. For they wanted to have somebody who can play those tough minutes in the D zone and kill penalties, uh, and so they got that. They also wanted to have, you know, the again the the, the phrase a couple of years ago from Bradshaw Living was they relied on too few to do too much, and so they got, you know, if the idea is man. Elias Lindholm is really good. Holy cow, they're playing Elias Lindholm too much in too many areas. So you go out, you get a Blake Coleman. So you don't need to play and keep and, shift him on the PK. And, yeah, and keep penalty penalty situations. If you look at some of the guys that Flames brought in, you'll notice that you know Tyler Toffoli is killing penalties. Uh, Yarn Croak killing penalties. Blake Coleman killing penalties. They've brought in a lot of, and, and Ryan Carpenter, he plays, kills penalties, and they brought, Trevor Lewis kills penalties. They brought in a lot of guys because I think they felt they had a few guys that they were just sweet trying to get too much juice out of the oranges from. And at a certain point, you know, much like if we use the, the uh, you know, the the example of Yusei Saros, and again, that's just a, a freak injury with dumb luck, but the more juice you try to squeeze out of the oranges, at some point, the oranges are just like, okay, we're done. And if there's a certain, if every player has a certain amount of hockey in them, good hockey in a year, and they have a certain amount of hits they can take and shots they can block and whatever, at a certain point, luck runs out. And the easiest way to have your luck run out is, or the luck not run out, is to spread it around. So I think the Flames did a really nice job spreading it around. And I think because they've done that, they have some different guys who can, who have some juice left in the tank to play with Dylan Dubé when, when the minutes start to matter more. And as a result, I mean, Dylan Dubé, especially that second goal that he oh, scored. So I, that's the, what I wanted to talk about. The second, just so, so folks, just so, just to, 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 to set up the play, setting up the play here. Uh, so Dylan Dubé, the middle of the second period, uh, the Flames are down two one. Dylan Dubé, uh, basically he accepts a pass in the neutral zone and he starts wandering into the, uh, the zone for uh, the Nashville. And Nashville has some guys back. They have two, maybe three, I think definitely two defensemen just back. They're in, the defensemen are in position. They're back, but they give them the zone. They yeah, they, well, the here's, zone. here's the thing. So uh, Dubé, just, he notices that there's no one, no one actively checking him. The guys are maybe like, you know, high slot, they're above the circles. And he's sort of CCS in space. And he says, okay, I'm going to see what I can do here. And he just turns on the motor and he starts coming at them. And the defensemen are trying, looking back. They they're sort of see there's some flames in the neutral zone. So is Dubé going to, 
go to the net? Is Dubé going to curl back and wait for help? Is Dubé going to try to try to split the D? They're not sure what he's doing. So they back up because they haven't, they, because of Dubé's speed, they don't have a lot of time to figure out the, what he's doing. And if so he's coming in full bore and you're not already moving backwards, you're beat. Yeah. So and so, and that. so they're, they're, so right away they're, they're doing, they're doing what you expect and what you're taught to do as a defensive player where when in doubt back in a bit and give yourself a time to process what the hell he's doing. And so they do that. And as you're, as they're backing up, Dubé sees that they're not challenging him. And so he just leans into one and picks the corner. It's oh, top it, right above his shoulder. Yeah. So for the, for right, the, right over for, now, it's, a, it's a tough shot for the goalie to process because it's far enough out. I don't even think, I think he might've basically got to the top, top of the circle. Of the circle. Yeah, he but it's out. still like he had some. He, it was a tough one because if you're tracking it, you don't know if he's going to do anything interesting with. It. He's basically he has yeah, he the problem with Saros is he's standing there going trying to process what he's doing. He sees his defense and back up, and he's going, "Wait, what's going on?" And all of a sudden, ping, you know, in the net. So that that's just a great. That's just an individual play. That's just what in the down. There's no downside if you're Dubé of making that play because you know there's four guys back and wearing wearing red and white so you can just challenge the goalie if it goes in great the game's tie if it doesn't go in you probably get a wacky rebound you get you know the more puck you get pucks bouncing around in chaos with your buddies helping you so there's there's no downside it was it was just a really savvy smart play by a smart player he's got eight goals in his last seven games which is nuts and if you look at him most of them are from distance like he's using his shot like even on the, the power play goals, they're not in they're not in tight crease bangers. He he's taking shots from between where the hash marks and the top of the circle are, and he's beating goaltenders clean. He is using his shot and he's finding space to use his shot better than he's ever has. And that is dangerous because if he can if he can consistently at the NHL level have the ability to beat these skilled goaltenders. And, and UC Saros is not a bad goaltender. He beat him twice from distance. If you can do that consistently, and he's been doing it, I pull up. I mean, let's, let's, let's give him, let's give credit. Where it's, credit let's get credit for the goaltender where it's due. The first goal is a power play goal off a really nice cross team pass from Backland that, that Dubé basically received and fired right away. So mm-hmm. it's not like Saros had a chance to square up to him and he got, he got beat like he did in the first on the, or in the second one, rather. So that, like, that was just, it was a really nice performance uh, in a game that the Flames, like last night was, you know, Tuesday night was not a game the Flames needed to have. It was a game the Flames would love to have because it got them to 50 wins uh, for the third time in franchise history. It got them to 25 road victories for the first time in franchise history. And it was a statement game. And the statement, you know, the statement is like, imagine how frustrated Nashville must be. Nashville was up multiple times in this game and the flames came back they tied it with 0.1 second like a tenth of a second left in regulation through a hole in david riddick's pet you know basically a hole in his padding like he couldn't square he didn't square up he didn't seal off the the post at all and boink right you know it's just a, somehow found a sh- i have no idea how matthew chuck picked that spot yo that's not, that was insane like he that was he was happenstance right like it was like like you just you're just trying to get it like you you realize there is no time left and you were just hail marrying let's throw it that's full-on riddick 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 whatever he's got it his paddle's not flat 
Ritter is his paddle's not flat, and he's not sealing off the he's post. He's not either. sealed, and he's angled. It's angled, and it literally just rides up the stick. His the goalie stick through him. Like all he has to do is be square to his post, and that that's not as the game's I, over. I, I think the, the challenge is like a six on of a six on five at a bit of a gong show in his own end with his own teammates running around a bit. And granted, I mean when you're in there, you know, with Riddick rather than rather than Saros, you're you're going to be a little bit you know a little bit squirrely to begin with. But I didn't think that Nashville defended that very well. I thought the Flames did a nice job sowing chaos. If you're Riddick in the goalie Anderson defense, covers the puck you don't. Somehow. 10 seconds earlier. If you're Riddick, you have no idea if they're going to try to put it out front. They're going to try, like, you don't know what, what, especially knowing Matthew Kachuk, you have no idea what he's going to do from that spot beside you. So you, he basically half committed to sealing it off and he half committed to putting his paddle down to block the path. Like, it's like, he he basically didn't commit to any particular move. And as a result, it got through him. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough situation for a goalie being thrown in, but I mean, as, as Daryl Sutter would say, that's the job. But, but about 12 seconds, 12 seconds before that, one of, I think Anderson or Gaudreau tried to take a shot from the point and it didn't go through and it was, there was a loose puck. That puck was loose and Anderson's the one that picked it back up and they don't panic. There's, there's consistent pressure on them in the zone and they just find the next open guy and they just keep finding the next open guy in a circle or back or whatever around the perimeter until someone leaves them alone is until someone misses that. And the second they get any sort of space, now they're set up and they got set up and they slowly close the circle to the point where Pedro was at the blue line. When the, when he Pedro made his last pass to uh, Anderson before it went down low, they were all in the top of the circle. Like they had all condensed and just like trapping Nashville and slowly squeezing them. And if it's you're the goalie, very skilled what the, and what very impressive, and I just love watching it. They, 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 the, the, them prioritizing possession and good chances instead of just throwing crap on net from the point, that is why Calgary can win these games. I, I think you and I would both agree on this. That's a game they lose a year ago. That's a game they lose the last five years. Yeah, and the only, you know, team with the, the only team with the vibes to even do that was the 14-15 Flames, and those weren't good vibes. They were trailing, not be for good reasons. That was that was that that team was pure chaos in every yeah. every aspect of the game. So like I mean, this this just felt like like even with a down, like even Lucic took that penalty. Lucic killed Duchesne, by the I way. Mean, that I'll crazy. I'll say this. I'll, I'll, I'll two things about that hit. One, I love that hit. Two, that's a stupid hit. That was terrible. That like was a clear penalty. It was it's so clear late. interference slash charging, whichever you want. It was definitely a penalty. It was rightfully down called a penalty. Goal. I, I was just thinking there. I was like, yeah, the hit was gorgeous. The pictures we was, got was, was, was the hit clean. It was a clean hit that you can lame. see ease. It, yeah. But it's basically, you it's didn't hit the lame. guy, the numbers, he saw you no. coming. You, you, you basically plowed him in the next week. Uh, you know, right, right now, I think, you know, his helmet landed in West Virginia Shane or something running around basically. Well, I mean, did. like, you know, if, if the idea is I'll say this. So there, remember that game, I forget what team it was. I forget what game. Okay, remember that, that guy, the young guy who got uh, Tanev along the boards and Tanev had to leave for half a period or five minutes of the period to go get the concussion protocol at home. And I remember that because the Flames lost that game because they were running around a lot. Basically, they were trying to, fight him. They were yep. trying to pound the kid into, into submission. And I mean, I think that, that was, I think that was only like two weeks ago too. How it was two weeks ago. 
And so I think the Flames got a little bit carried away at times in this in the last game with the physicality of it. That said, I think they were a lot less silly Keegan about Kolsar. it. Keegan Colesar from Vegas. That was the game Vegas. that got thwomp six yeah. one. But they also weren't they weren't playing hockey. They, they were they were, they were the the phrase I used in the, in the the recap on the site was in the Vegas game I thought they were too focused on getting getting a pound of flesh rather than making passes or making smart plays and the thing I thought they were better against Nashville with especially on the road against a, a team that's in the playoffs unlike Vegas is I thought they were really good at they they were they were engaging physically but it's not like they were pulling themselves out of position to try to hit a guy. They were making hits when the hits were available, but they weren't running out of position to get it. I still think at times the, the physical aspect of it got them away from what makes them effective. I think they, they took too many retaliation penalties. Daryl Sutter said as much after the game. So if you take out, if you take two or three penalties away from this game, it's a much closer game. It's more five on five time. And I think the more time you spend five on five, the more it plays more. into Calgary's favor. Yep. That said, that said, it's, you know, it, it, the hockey fan in me was like, you know what, heading into a possible playoff round, knowing that uh, Matt Duchesne almost, uh, you know, neutered, uh, literally, young Matthew Kachuk, you pro- that's probably not a terrible move for a fourth line Milan Lucic to take. If the, ga- if the Flames were winning that game and Lucic takes that penalty, if they have a two-goal lead and Lucic goes and, and you know, plows him in the next week, I don't think we're really thinking about too much. I think we go, man, did you see that hit? And the Flames won. I think Nashville probably down two goals, and then that happened. I think Nashville would have reacted differently. Like, Nashville was up, and they were like, don't. Like, just everyone. And then they got that – and then I thought that penalty kill was very effective, and then it allowed them to – because as soon as he took that penalty, I'm like, okay. Well, they just allowed a goal in the previous two power plays. They're either going to get – both both by Philip Forsberg, and I thought they're either going to get scored on right here or the game's going to swing because of this kill. And the game swung because of that kill, because of a half dozen guys they went out and traded for this year. And I, I thought that it was, yeah, if, if you want to, I think that after the game, you know, the players in the media availabilities were talking about how it was sort of a, a meaningful game and a statement game for them. And I mean, you only really decide yeah. those things in retrospect. I mean, if they go and they win a bunch of playoff games, you can look at that game and say, that's the style of game they need to play because outside of, outside of the, the too many penalties, I thought they had good intensity. I thought they had good execution. And I thought the players that you would like to have, have good games. I mean, who, who was really good in that game? Dubé was really good in that game. Anderson and Hannafin, your top defensive pairing, good in that game. Dan Vildar didn't really have a chance on three of the four goals he gave up. You can make a case. He should have had. He might have. He probably wants the Philip Forsberg, the second goal back. Second one. But it's yeah, him and Philip Forsberg. And Philip there was Forsberg. no one in front of him. He just beat him clean short side. It's a good shot, but he beat him short side, glove side. And I think you know Vladar probably wants that one back. But the rest of them, like you had deflections. You have Roman Yossi not really getting challenged at the blue line and being able to just lean into one. You had a one timer for Philip Forsberg on the other power play goal. That so was. I, I think that was, and that that's on the defenders. They left that yeah. seam wide open. And I mean, and I'm let's credit hesitant. where it's due. That's kind of the point of having a good power play. I thought Nashville had a lot of good puck movement that led to that. But I mean, overall, I think the Flames, if you look at that game, what are the negatives? I mean, okay, they had a dramatic come from behind win. They took points they away from the five from, on five. Play. They controlled five on five. They got better five on five as the game went on. They got their key players. They got points. They got goals from key players. They got good performances from key players. Their backup goalie got them another win. And they didn't allow at five on five. They didn't allow anything from the slot, like nothing from the middle of the ice. 
Yeah, like so. if, if, if the idea is that's meant to be a dress rehearsal for the postseason, I think that was a good one. Uh, they also have coming up uh, Thursday, Friday, they're playing Minnesota, who are a damn good playoff team, and Winnipeg, who are not. But Winnipeg, we plan for the Winnipeg's going to be full of piss and vinegar because they're going to, you know, they're going to be just looking to, you know, what better, what better statement we'll game see, we'll for the Winnipeg Jets than playing a team that won the other division. So like, I, th- I think that's going to be an interesting game. The Minnesota, I'm going to, I love the Minnesota because they, they, you got to remember Calgary, Minnesota's on an absolute tear. Calgary got them earlier in the year when they were in their only slump of the year. Now Calgary played them twice. Calgary kicked the crap out of them twice so much that the athletics Michael Russo went, holy crap, I really don't want to go through Calgary. And Russo's been around this game for a while. So Mike, Michael Russo is one of the smartest. He's, he's an yeah. exceptional writer. He was he's like, a really smart guy. He was like immediately after that two games in like a week span was like, I want nothing to do with Calgary. And, the, and I think and I think that was part of the time. That was great. That was the, that January, February run where everyone started going, the Flames? What? Yeah. And Minnesota is going to, we know this for sure, going to play St. Louis. And St. Louis is big and St. Louis is heavy. So you bet they view this game against Calgary as a full-on ramp-up. And they are going to bring it. They have a 100-point scorer in Kirill Kaprizov, who is fantastic. They they have have a really good team there. They have one of the best defensive makeups for their centers. They have an all-pro rookie that's going to be a stud in this league in Matt Boldy. And they have a fantastic blue line with defensive stalwarts like Brodeen and Spurgeon, as well as offensive gifted, uh, gifted player like Dumba. And, and, and all two all world goaltenders, including the reigning Vesna champion. Before before we get into other stuff, we'll we'll get into some Calgary stuff in a sec. Just as an aside, holy cow, this is going to be a fun first round. We already have LA and, and Edmonton confirmed. Uh, we got St. Louis, Minnesota confirmed. Colorado will play either Dallas or Nashville. Calgary will play either Dash, Dallas or Nashville. Or Vegas. It won't be Vegas. But I know. Is it, isn't that. like that, this, like the first round is always the best round. And I, apologies to every other round, but you know, it's true. We got, you know, we're, we're, getting, we're getting Toronto, Tampa. We're getting Carolina, Boston, probably. That first week. That first week, there's, and you know what, Pike? My, my school's done May 3rd. Like done, done for the year. And so, you know what May third is, though, right? What the two, the first Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. yeah May third is probably the, the first. Start. Yeah, May third is probably the first day of the playoffs. Yeah, so. so it'll be just that week, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when there is four games a day. They're spread out because the NHL actually spreads their schedule out in the playoffs, so everyone can watch as many games as possible. It is the best week of hockey of the year other than maybe the world juniors i love the world juniors so that's why i say that but yeah it's, it's, gonna, be, it's, yeah, it's gonna be really good there are hearts broken early there are bruises more people probably get hurt and don't say anything in that week than any other week of the are, you, are you talking emotionally or physically both <laughs> that's yeah. true though that's true it's not, so, I'm not lying. like especially like the older guys like there's guys uh, out east we're gonna get florida versus is it washington or it, it one of the wild cards there because I, I haven't looked at the eastern standings this week yeah i know there's there's some play and it's the, the east has basically had the same eight teams locked in but there's yeah. been some movement at the bottom of the standings a little bit but literally eight eight ninth place is the islanders i think they're at like 82 points and eighth is the caps. And it's like a point. twelve or a sixteen point difference. It's like twenty almost. It's almost twenty points. It's just not even. Clo- it's not even close. And so you got to wonder out east how many of those teams have really been, 
you know, we, we talked about the flames coasting, like by the time, like by the time that like, does that really benefit all those top teams or those younger teams that were trying to fight to get into like home ice advantage going to have the advantage of you. So it's going to be very interesting. I, I would never, I, my pick coming out of the East is still Tampa until someone actually beats them. I it's them. So. Well, yeah, it, I, I think, I think uh, until someone beats Colorado or beats Tampa, I think those two are the teams to beat, but I mean, like it's, it's, I, it's, it's the hardest tournament sports to win. It's the I hardest. Think whoever my, my bold prediction is whoever comes out of the Minnesota St. Louis series wins the central. I think they beat Colorado because of how good they are going to have to be to beat one another. Whereas Colorado waste eight days is most likely going to take Nashville or Dallas to the cleaners. Most likely. Okay. You know? okay. That that's, that's a nice segue into the other thing I want to talk to you about. So we the, the most common question we've gotten outside of when is Johnny Gaudreau going to resign from Flames fans has been who who do you think is the easier slash better? It's usually a variation of those two adjectives. Easier slash better matchup for the Calgary Flames in the first round between Dallas and Nashville. And I think the thing is easier is not the better matchup for the Calgary Flames. The first round is just pure chaos unadulterated because the first round, like there's been plenty of teams that motor through a weak, weak, weak team in the first round and don't really get challenged too much. And then they don't really, they're not really battle ready for that second round matchup. Whereas, you know, like uh, here's an example. The, 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 if you look at historically at the, the best flames teams that they've had, the 19, the, uh, the 86 flames, uh, managed to get past Edmonton. Granted, that, that was the second round. The 86 Flames got past Edmonton and then had some gas in the tank left for all the other teams. Uh, the the 89 Flames, that seven-game war with uh, the Vancouver Canucks, was like that. That's that's what got the, the like the Flames got past Dan's meal, but that's that's what got them to the to the dance. Uh, you know, the the Flames had to prove to themselves that they could make it. And it was that was the, yeah. the, 80, the 88, the 89 flames. Uh, so in 88, the flames hosted the Olympics and won the president's trophy and then got dispatched in the second round. Uh, wow. It was, it was a big disappointment for the club. Uh, the, the following year, they, you know, there was a lot of tittering around being like, yeah, the flames are pretty good, but they can't get it done in the playoffs. And they so just couldn't beat the Oilers. <laughs> but in 89, they, they, they didn't have to face the Oilers in 89. They faced the Canucks and they like they almost tripped over their feet again, and then they were just they found a way to get through. In in oh four, I mean that whole series like uh, fans of a certain vintage or vividly remember. Like I was watching Game Seven, I was eighteen that year. Hush, Game Seven in a bar da- down on Seventeenth uh, Avenue, and the 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 emotional swings in that game. The flames are up. A fan throws the jersey on the ice. Someone loses the puck. The Canucks go back the other way and score. Everyone's like, oh, no, it's happening again. Because at that point, the Flames hadn't won a playoff series in 15 years. And not only had they not won a playoff series in 15 years, they had lost playoff series in soul-crushing fashion. We're talking Esatikinen in overtime. We're talking Pavel Bure in overtime. We're talking that the Sharks and the Blackhawks embarrassing the Flames. They had found they they found ways, embarrassing, soul-crushing ways to lose hockey games. It, they were the, the up until 04 for 15 years in the regular season and the playoffs, the Flames were Charlie Brown 
and every other team was Lucy pulling the football away at the last minute. So couldn't do it. As Flames fans could never get comfortable. And even even the last few years, I can understand that you know there's probably a, that kind of sentiment in the fan base too in terms of going, oh well, maybe just give them an, an easy opponent. In, in in all due respect to the Vancouver Canucks, we have you know we have our colleagues in Vancouver, Chris Faber, David Quadrelli, a lot of other really fine people covering that organization. Really nice people. You'll never hear me say a bad thing about the Canucks, their fans, or their or the media. That said, the 15 Canucks were the most easy team for the Flames to play playing that first. Yeah, half. that it was. They were the two worst teams. They were 15 and 16 in they points. Were, the, the Vancouver Canucks were the only team the Flames were going to beat in that postseason, and they happened to meet them in the first round. And credit where it's due, the Flames were playing a beatable opponent, and they beat them. And it was a good series, but it was decisive. By the end of that series, I don't think you had anyone you know, wearing a blue sweater going, I don't know, if it's only so-and-so did something differently in that situation. Like The games weren't close. The, the game that the Flames won, we went, yeah, that's pretty good. One game, I thought. Yeah, and, and you know, you had Derek Anglin fighting two guys at once. That was pretty fun. But again, did, the, did that series do enough to prepare the Flames for Anaheim? No. Not in, and, not and, in any way, and shape, again, or form. They, they probably would have lost to Anaheim anyway because Anaheim was just really good. But uh, if in... In terms of Corey Perry, height of Corey Perry gets laugh years too. Yeah, right? But like, yeah, like in, in terms of, in terms of if you, if you wanted to go to the dance and you wanted to have a good showing, that was not the warm up you wanted. Even, even uh, though they won, it wasn't the warm up they wanted. It wasn't, it what didn't give them the type of thing they needed. Whereas the, 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 the 2004 series against Vancouver, that was a really good Vancouver team. They had everyone available except for Tyler or for Trapper Tuzzi because of the reasons they were also missing, you know, they lost a goal here in the series. They lost, you know, they, they had some injuries. Like the Flames did have some fortunate things happen. Flames had a lot. Tony Ludman didn't even play in the first round. Yeah. And he that, played that, the whole season. And, for and, him. and let's not, let's not forget the context of, uh, in the context of hashtag it was in, the Calgary Flames lost the Stanley Cup because they ran out of human, healthy human beings Literally. to play Flames hockey. The, the, at that time, the Flames were splitting an affiliate with the Lowell Lock Monsters. They're splitting the Lowell Lock Monsters with the Carolina Hurricanes. The Flames did not have a full affiliate. They had maybe a dozen non-NHL players under, under contract to the point where ECHL defenseman Brennan Evans played two games in the conference final. Not, he didn't play a lot, but he played. They're basically playing with five defensemen and an ECHLer and the five NHL defensemen playing ahead of him. None of them were healthy. So, the Flames lost that Stanley Cup not because of a goal judge or a goalie or whatever. They lost because they ran out of bodies. This was this was Germany invading Russia in 1944. They they ran out of bodies and they starved to death. That is what happened to the Flames. They did not have the the uh, the, the gas the tank to get it done because they simply ran out of human beings who could play their system. This so this that, year. this year. They have, like we we're talking about, uh, you know, last uh, the the Calgary. Here's an example. So uh, on Tuesday night, the Calgary two games were played in the Calgary Flames organization. We've already talked at length about the win over Nashville, five one overtime. They scored a game, the game time goal with 0.1 seconds left in regulation. They won in overtime. Everyone they was happy. Beat up on Dallas earlier in the week too. They also did. Uh, so the other game they played, the Stockton Heat played against the San Diego Gulls in San Diego. San Diego Gulls are the AHL affiliate of the Anaheim Ducks, Gulls, Ducks, thematic. I like the thematic link there. Good work naming. Uh, but they played San Diego, and they were missing 
AHL rookie goaltender, uh, Dustin Wolf, who is up at the Flames. As far as I know, he's still with the Flames. He's being sent back soon, probably. We'll get into that he's later. He's playing basketball right now. He's up and down, up and down, up and down. So the, they were missing Dustin Wolf, who was in the NHL. They were missing Glenn Godden, their first-line center, who's injured. Their other first-line center, uh, Adam Ruzichka, is also in the NHL. Their top-pairing defenseman for most of the year, uh, Connor Mackey, in the NHL. He's not coming back. Uh, the the uh, Yusuf of their other first uh, first uh, pairing defenseman, most of the time, he sit he has uh, an illness, non COVID, who wasn't playing. Uh, they're also missing. Uh, they're missing someone else's name. I forget. Uh, wh- whatever. Who they're missing? Yeah, they're yeah, missing. Yeah. They're missing a bunch of dudes, and not just dudes. Good players, like key players. They won. Four. They won <laughs> four to one to put themselves a win away or a Chicago Wolves loss away from capturing first overall in the American Hockey League. So not only are the Flames first in the Pacific, they're going to be pushing to potentially finish second in terms of overall seeding in the West, as in if second behind Colorado, if Colorado gets knocked out in any round of the playoffs, the Flames would have home ice advantage over everybody else. That's impressive. Uh, And so in addition to that, the, the Flames have a minor league team that has a lot of guys who can come in and play their system. A lot of guys who have come in and played their system or could play their system and a, te- and a bunch of guys who are used to playing on a good team and having a certain standard. So I think in terms of, in, if you're, if you're worried about specific things happening to the flames, are they going to owe for it up and run out of bodies? Probably not because they have like 20 guys in the farm system who can probably slot in. Even if I would even say they're third, they're like the they're quote unquote worst AHL defenseman who at this point would probably be some combination of Johannes Shinval, Ilya Solovyov, or Colton Pullman. You could slot them into the third pair of the Flames, put them with Tanev, and they'd be fine. You could, you could probably, with, you could honestly, but you were me with, with uh, do what you did with Zadarov and Gabranson really early to try and get their mojo back and just literally only ever give them offensive zone starts right like you will not see your own zone i mean in any way you, shape you, or form you probably you probably wouldn't want to use your your ahl defenseman in a here's, playoff series but they here's my be okay. favorite thing about what's about to happen is daryl sutter properly manages team and their minutes all season long 82 games they didn't go we talked about everyone's like oh look at johnny's point per game is way higher points per 60 is way higher than anybody else i'm like that's true that's because Daryl has used everybody. Everyone plays 12 to 18 minutes, somewhere in that range night on, on average. They're not wore out. They're not as wore out as some of these other players playing 23, 24 minutes a night. Your body wears down, especially this year when the schedule is as compact as it is. So Calgary also has that benefit of probably, and I'm just guessing, I don't know for sure, being a little bit, they, they probably have more gas in the tank to start. Now, how they match up. I watched Vegas play Dallas the other night because that was the marquee game as soon as it ended. And the way Jake Ottinger played to end that period scared the life out of me. That guy was unreal. He's young. He was a first round pick. He deserves it. He's their guy. Like, like Bishop's out. They've demoted Hudobin. It's because Ottinger has been their guy and he is their guy now. That makes, I'd be nervous though. He's, but I think the challenge is he's so young that you don't really know what you're going to get. But the, the reason he stood out so much is because when Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz weren't on the ice, the puck was in the Stars zone the entire time. So, so you, you, that's one, one thing. The Stars are not the Stars of the bubble. They are not. 
They, they, Jamie Ben has lost a significant step. Tyler Sagan as well took a step back this year. They are completely driven on one line and the rest of their forwards really can't hold a candle. Calgary's depth should on paper take the crap out. The, the, the Calgary Dallas series feels like it'd be six games. The first two or three would be really close because Dallas has those veteran guys who can play in close and games. And yeah, Mira High School. And they have, they can, they, you know, Rick Bonas has them playing with a lot of poise, a lot of composure. They play with structure. They have those big bodies. But I think over a six game series, first one or two games, close two, one, three, two games. And then gradually you lean on them. You have your, your, you have, you know, Brett Ritchie and those guys running around and hitting guys in the corners, Lucic hitting everything that moves over, wow. over a series. Those guys would slow down. And at five on five, I would like the flames in that series easily. And, and in a playoff game, you don't need to just roll four. Line. You don't need to just roll four lines. You, if you want to straight up put Michael Backlund against Prince and Robertson all night and you have home ice, you can do it. And I don't think anyone's going to like, like now is the time when you can play matchup games and your guys should be ready and able to do so. If you really feel like it, you could put Lindholm out against them as well. Like you could just straight up match the Lindholm backland or Lindholm Gadroka Chuck line up against that line. Cause then your second and third line, like Manjapani backland Toffoli, it should run over Ben Sagan, Radulov or whoever their second line is right now. It should. So like, that's, that's very important. The Flames top four have been consistent all year long. And we mentioned Heiskanen. He's had up and down games this year. He's still a legit number one defenseman. He's also Heis- still under Heiskanen Heiskanen is not having his, let's just call he's not having a Roman Yossi year. No, I, I but, don't think Heiskanen is going to get many, if any, Norris votes this year. He's good, but he's just not great this year. And that's fine. I mean, he's, like you said, he's young. He's really good. He's going to have those high school. He's going to have the, his Romaniosi year. Like he's, he's got uh, he a will, ton of potential. Yeah. He'll be a Norris contender a couple times in his career. I honestly but, Yeah. I, I think if, if the question is Nashville or Dallas, who do you like the Flames against better? I think the Flames do different things against both teams. I think the Nashville games would be more of what we saw on Tuesday. And I think over time, I think the Flames would win a few close games and wear Nashville down. And they'd have to out, out strategy them and out, you know, battle them. I think the Nashville games would be a war. I think, you know, I think if we're going to, if we're going to use them, use some mixed metaphors, Nashville would be, a knife fight or a trench war. And I think, and I think a Dallas series would be more of a game of chess. Nashville has I think a bunch of young guys too. Like, like Nashville and Dallas, both of these guys, like Rupe and Robertson, as well as Janot and Tom Tomasino, like a lot of the younger guys that either team rely on, they haven't done it yet. They haven't played in those big games. They really haven't got there. Like for now, a lot of Nashville and Dallas players have, they both, both teams have guys that have played in Stanley Cup finals and lost. So not a lot of winning pedigree on them. Like I believe who's got a cup on, uh, on Nashville there. Literally nobody. I can't remember. No, literally no one on Nashville. They all, a bunch been to the final, but no one's got a cup from Nashville. And Tyler Sagan has a cup from Dallas. That's it. That's it. That's, that's the extent of, their things. Luke Glendening doesn't. Radic Faxa doesn't. None of the guys they brought in do. Vladislav Vimesnikov. Um, he's kind of 
been pretty good sneaky good sneaky good ad for them deadline ad for them but uh honestly both of the both of them probably don't want to play either colorado or calgary let's be real they, neither of them want to do it but they will because they're, they're both gonna have to gotta have to but you want to win you want to win you got to beat good teams and calgary yeah everyone looks for the easiest matchup honestly the players just need to be focused on their next shift just have a good next shift every single time don't worry about the next period don't worry about game two or game three just worry about your next shift being your best shift and you have to keep that mentality for two months if the if the flames can play with the level of you know uh let's just say battle level for lack of a better term if they can play with that urgency in that battle level and they can rein it the they can rein in the type of silly penalties that we saw against nashville i like their i like their chances I mean, and i i think they play the game They've got a coach that has the pulse on it. They all, they all mention it too. Every one of their pressers, they even Luch was mentioning the other day at uh, when him and Kachuk did the post game, Daryl's been on them for 15 games now. Like, Hey, let's get into playoff mode. Like no time to mess around. So they got a coach that gets it and he's got the, he's got enough rings to fill two fingers and enough finals appearances to, to he knows, he knows how to do it. He knows how to get there. And the and guys I, in the room I think, know how to do it. And I think I think they have a head coach that knows, as as a self-avowed Flames fan, I think they have a coach who knows who's. Uh, it it wouldn't it wouldn't mean as much to that coach to win anywhere else. And I think no, I think, I think he that's cares. What he cares. This is his team. He loves the Flames. Like he's a fan. Like how often do you get to coach your favorite team? Now he also he said the only two teams he'd come back for were Calgary and the Blackhawks. Because he obviously captained the Blackhawks and has a long-standing relationship with the Chicago. Maybe, maybe, maybe he just likes the pizza there. You know what? I'll give him that. It is deep. They have great pizza there. So do the they Flames, have good beards there. Do they have good beards there, or do they use uh, do they use proper trimmers? Who knows? Who knows? So I think we'll we'll wind down. The, the Flames have two games left in the regular season. They'll be playing against uh, Minnesota on Thursday. They'll be playing against. Winnipeg, Winnipeg, a city that has no airport, on Friday, so they have to take a bus from Minnesota. We're have just to bike kidding. On your pedal bike. We're just kidding, Minnesota, Winnipeg. We know you have an airport. It has a Tim Hortons in it. It's very nice, uh, and recently renovated airport actually. So uh, the next time you, we talk, Shane, it'll be between games one and two, I think. Cool. We'll see. You and me talk. You and me talk every day. The next time the folks listen to us, will be uh, will be mid playoffs. The rest of the time, to... the rest of the time isn't worth listening to. Uh, yeah, yeah it'll be uh, next next week. Uh, in it'll be recorded next Wednesday after game one, and you can listen to this before game two. It's gonna be fascinating. I'm really excited to see how it unfolds. We'll see. Uh, as per usual, we're brought to you by DoorDash and Oak Clare Distilleries, Rupert's Whiskey, Facial Whiskey, the Calgary Flames. Go ahead and get it. Make sure that your uh, your coolers, your liquor cabinet, your snack mix, make sure everything's packed up and ready to go. Uh, the expectation right now, I believe, is game one will probably be Tuesday. Game two will probably be Thursday. And then there will be a Saturday game, probably. Uh, if you're wondering when the schedule is coming out, more likely than not, the schedule will be coming out, we think, late night Friday, maybe overnight Saturday. So as soon the, as the last, usually like as soon as the last matchup is determined, which could happen tonight. Yeah. Dallas the, 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 no, we'll let up ha- it'll, they usually release it like basically officially they'll be released once the, uh, the last game has been played. 
excluding Winnipeg versus Seattle on the first, because that won't matter for playoff seedings. Uh, and because if you're the TV partners, you're going to be very mad if people find out when the games are the day before. So uh, they have to let people know early to figure well, things they out. Might, they might start doling out series that they know are going to happen, like Toronto-Tampa. So I've, they've announced series earlier before, too. They, they've done that. Things, like, things huh. will start trickling out. So your best bet is to, if you don't follow Pat Steinberg, shame on you. But make sure you follow Pat Steinberg because he, as usual, have all those delicious, tasty scoops. Uh, and yeah, next time we talk to you guys, it'll be playoff season. So again, uh, if, you, if you have tickets, uh, the games are sold out. So make sure you go and have fun. Uh, Go to Red Mile, baby. If you you don't have tickets, the the Flames for the home games are hosting a uh, a a fan festival outside. I think they're calling it the Red Lot. It's only for the home games. So uh, if for the road games, find a nice uh, place either in your home or somewhere in uh, the greater Calgary area with your Flames friends to go watch the game because it's you know it's going to be a lot of fun. It's playoff season. It's uh, especially if you go out there if they've got a series lead. I bet you the Red Mile be pretty popping, Pike. We'll uh, see. If they we'll have see. a two nothing or a three one lead of any as, kind, as if, if, as if. as I said on the radio this week, the the you, know, you got to win sixteen. And that's what I said. The one shift. The you, next you, shift is what matters. You start off sixteen with one, and then you try to get four. But the one is the important one because it's the first one. And I think uh, if if they get one, and then one turns into two or three, I think people will start to. Uh, start feeling some some excitement but yeah playoffs are exciting uh, so make sure everybody you know, take care of each other and have fun enjoy responsibly uh and you know uh, we're coming out again we said this last week we're coming out of a very let's just say weird and use that word very liberally very weird time in modern human history so you know just try to have fun try to enjoy yourself do it in whatever way you feel comfortable and uh you know and enjoy yourselves and be good to each other because this is, you know, it's sports. It's meant to be fun. So try to have some fun and be around people who want to have fun. Enjoy the roller coaster people. It's the, the emotions are what we're here for. Yeah. Time to strap in. So for Shane, I'm Ryan. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you guys in a week for playoff season. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 